scripture from 1st Kings 8 starting in verse 54 when Solomon finished making these prayers and petitions to the Lord he stood in front of the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling with his hands raised toward heaven he stood and in a loud voice blessed the entire congregation of Israel praise the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us or abandon us. May he give us the desire to do his will in everything and to obey all the commands, decrees, and regulations that he gave our ancestors. And may these words that I have prayed in the presence of the Lord be before him constantly, day and night, so that the Lord our God may give justice to me and to his people Israel according to each day's needs. Then people all over the earth will know that the Lord alone is God and there is no other. And may you be completely faithful to the Lord our God. May you always obey his decrees and commands just as you are doing today.
chips or wine, we're not really that picky, uh, now would be the time to have that ready. And if not, and you want to participate, I'm going to speak for a few minutes, so you have some time to go grab something. Uh, I'll admit, I was a little nervous about offering to do this for two reasons. Uh, my dad's a youth minister for many years, and speaking in front of people was typically his thing. And number two, some of the detectives among you may have gathered from Corey's sermon last week, I can no longer do a complete backflip off a wall uh, after two hours of racquetball, but I can do one half a backflip, which is still one half less than what's recommended. Hopefully I've learned some additional lessons since that situation, and one lesson in particular that seems uh, uh, particularly applicable to the state of society today is, uh, and that is answering the call. Uh, I need to preface the story by saying my brother, my dad, and I enjoy playing basketball after church at the rec center. Now, I don't play every Sunday and probably won't for a while, but Dad usually can talk me into playing. But a little over a year ago, during one of these Sunday afternoons, my brother couldn't make it because he was recovering uh, from a broken arm. Apparently, we're a little bit accident prone in my family. And long story short, my 55-year-old dad had a heart attack during one of the games. Um, Wid, Wid Rasmond and I performed CPR while Luke Andrews got the AED and Andrew Turner called 911. Uh, I truly believe God placed those people in that situation for a reason. And the reason I remember each of their names is not because they were trained professionals. Unfortunately, we aren't allowed to schedule life-altering events like that. But I remember the names because they answered the call when the situation needed something from them. Now, my brother is an extremely good ICU nurse at Kansas Medical Center in Andover which is the place you go after you have a heart attack. 
Uh, side note to say thank you to all the healthcare professionals out there putting in the hours each and every day during this. Um, but he would have been the ideal one to have playing basketball that day. And I have no doubt that he would have been better equipped than I was to handle the situation. But his place that day was to direct me in my moment of uncertainty, guiding me to tell the ambulance where to send my dad. Preparing for this communion talk, I found a lot of parallels between the feelings I experienced during and after my situation and the conversation Moses had with God prior to leading his people out of Egypt. Exodus 4:10 through 13 states that Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Now my dad made a full recovery after a quintuple bypass surgery, and we've still been able to go play basketball as recently as this last month. But prior to the heart attack, if I had the opportunity to discuss the situation with God beforehand, we would have had a similar exchange to that of Moses. I'm probably not the most qualified or even, Lord, please send someone else. But Corey said something a while back in a sermon that resonated with me. God doesn't always call the qualified, but he always qualifies the called. I think what I see most during this COVID-19 situation we find ourselves in, as Christians, we have an enormous opportunity and dare I say a responsibility to answer the call over the next months in various and unique ways to show the rest of the world what real faith and obedience to God can look like, regardless of your past credentials. Now in a minute, I'm going to end with a poem in lieu of a prayer. The poem is Our Deepest Fear by Marianne Williamson from her book Return to Love. Most of this poem was featured in the basketball movie Coach Carter, but I prefer the poem in its entirety. After the poem, the band is going to play another song during the communion time. We at Real Life believe in an open communion and would like to invite fellow believers to take communion in a symbolic remembrance of, sacrifice, of the sacrifice Jesus made up on the cross for everyone. If you are new to this whole church thing, I greatly encourage you to reach out to other members or staff here at Real Life, either through email, Facebook messages, or the live stream chat at live.reallifecc.us. Uh, we would really love the opportunity to answer any questions you may have about this whole faith thing and how you can learn to trust God's plan. Our deepest fear. Our deepest fear is not that we aren't adequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, or fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fears, our presence automatically liberates others.
In shackles of all my failures Wondering how long is this gonna last Then you look at this prisoner And say to me, son Stop fighting a fight that's already jumped over to Vimeo. Uh, here's what I'm excited about today. Uh, normally, the things that break the internet, you know, hashtag break the internet, uh, are things that are not very good and godly. But today, the church broke the internet. Uh, that's why no live streams are worried. Like every church in the country is live streaming. Uh, many who have never done it or thought about it before 
and so it's just crashing all the uh, sites that we've tried. So I'm really excited that the Word of God's getting out. Um, even if it made it a little more difficult for us, we will do our best to make sure that it's working and up and running like clockwork next Sunday. Normally during this time, I would ask you, uh, all of you who are here at Real Life, to give. But today, I'm not going to. We know that those of you who are committed to seeing real life help every person possible, find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day, we know that you're going to give. A few of you have already given this morning, and some of you uh, have that set up as a recurring scheduled gift, and, and so thank you if that's you. But today, we know that many of you are scared. You're worried about the future. You're worried about your families, and you're worried about your finances. So we're not going to ask you to give today. We're going to tell you today that it's okay. We want you to know that God understands their, your struggle and the position that you're in. Though he wants your full and complete trust, he knows how difficult that is in times like these. So listen, make sure you have what you need. If you have a little extra Make sure that others around you, your neighbors and friends, have what they need. That's what we as a church are going to do. And so if you know of a need that you can't meet on your own, please let us know. We want to be available to help however we can, and we'll be posting ways that we're helping and ways that you can help in the coming days as we have a better picture of how all this is going to shake out. So... I'm going to pray now. I'm going to pray that God would meet your needs out of his glorious riches in Jesus. That he would protect us. That he would see us all through this difficult time. And that he would provide for his church. Let's pray. God, thank you for being, for being God. Thank you for being a God that's bigger than our problems and our challenges and our finances. Thank you for being a, a God that is involved in our daily lives. You're not some distant father who's not paying attention to what's going on in our daily lives. You're here, you care, you're with us, and you're giving us and will give us the strength to get through. So, Father, we pray for each and every person who's out there right now today. Maybe they're watching, maybe they're not, but, but they know that they're going to run out of money before they're able to, to, to run to their job. Or they're going to get another check whether that comes from the government or their job. God, there's a lot of people out there hurting right now, and so we just ask that you would be with them. Your word tells us that, that you are close to the brokenhearted, and there's a lot of people whose hearts are breaking right now. And so, God, would you be with them, and really would you be with us? Would you help us in this time be the hands and the feet of your church? Would you help us love like your son Jesus? And would you help us look like your son Jesus? We ask this in his name. Amen. So give me just a minute. I'm going to bring this up. I don't know where it's supposed to be that good, Terry. All right. <laughs> Uh, hey, if you are um, joining us online, 
and you have never been to church before, or maybe you've never been to real life before, I want you to know something. This counts. Like you're in, you're a part of what we're doing. You are one of us, and so welcome to the family. Thanks uh, for joining us. We are super glad to have you. If you've never been to church before, or maybe you've never been to real life before, we would love for you to let us know. And so um, if you would go down whatever is working that you're watching us on, if that's um, Facebook or, uh, um, or whatever, I don't know what else is working that you can comment on. But if you're in a place where you can comment, um, let us know who you are and, and where you're watching from, okay, like um, kitchen or bathroom. Uh, or California, or Boston, I, I don't know, wherever that might be, um, just swing down in the comments and, and let us know. And actually, what would be a better option is if you jumped over to reallifecc.us and uh, you went to the I'm new, or new here, I think it's new here, uh, link, and then filled that out. We would love to know who you are. And if you do that on the website, reallifecc.us, we will send you a gift. Uh, you'll get that in an email pretty shortly, and uh, we'd love to partner with you in that. Um, we've planned this service with you in mind, and so we hope this morning that wherever you are and whatever's going on in your life, whatever situation it is that you're facing, we hope that you hear from God today and not just from us. Whether that was in the music or, or, or the message, um, we want you to hear from God. You know, um, hearing from God is one of the reasons that I love the Bible so much. The Bible is one of the places that I um, hear from God the most. But it's not the only way I hear from God, and, and maybe that is for you as well. Let me give you an uh, example. I believe that God put it on our hearts here at Real Life to begin preparing to live stream last year. And so we set the money aside and we planned and we got the technology and we did all that stuff on our end to make sure that we were able to do that and we started live streaming at the end of last year. But in January, as I was working on this message series that was going to kick off this morning, I didn't know that any of this was going to happen. And yet the text and the topic and even the title of the message, which I planned several weeks ago and even then didn't know what was going on, what was going to happen, I think God meant all of it for this very moment, for this very day. You know, the last 10 days have been um, unprecedented in our lifetime. We've faced natural disasters together. We've faced attacks together. We've feared together. We've been at war together, but we've never faced anything like this. But even though this is an unprecedented and confusing time in our history, we're in the perfect place to hear from God. God wants to speak to us in times like this. God works in ways that um, uh, we don't expect when we're going through struggles and difficulties. See, we don't believe that God is distant, that he's uninterested or uninvolved in our lives. He's a good father, and he wants the best for us. And so last year, he was preparing us for this. Months ago and even weeks ago, he was preparing us and preparing you for this very day and this very moment. 
And he wasn't just preparing us, right? He wasn't just preparing us as a, a church, us as a city, us as a, a nation even. The coronavirus is not an East or a West Coast problem. It's not a conservative or liberal problem. It's not even an American problem or a Chinese problem or an Italian problem. It's humanity's problem. And, and humanity-sized problems require a huge God. Um, look at this. Isn't this cool? This is going to show up as we uh, go through the service this morning. So hopefully I'm not in your way and you can see that. Um, Humanity-sized problems require a, a huge God. And, and so have you ever um, been in a situation where you're in a problem that was too big for you? Let, let me tell you a story. When I was a, a, a little kid, I, I don't know, maybe uh, f five or six or eight years old or something. I don't remember much about my childhood, but I remember this. Uh, I had an uncle, and maybe you've got one of these um, uncles, you know, one of these, uh, what's the good word, C crazy uncles? Um, and so my uncle and uh, my, my aunt and their kids, they came down for the weekend. They were hanging out, and as a family, we were all sitting around our huge 17-inch barely color television watching the movie Moses. You know, the one with um, Yule Brenner? It looks a little bit like me, except I don't think he had a big, well, he had a big long beard, not uh, quite as cool as mine, but that's another story. Okay, so we're watching um, Moses and I'm tired. I'm a little kid. Like, that's a long movie. I'm over it. I'm done with it. I get up to go back into my bedroom to play. And as I walk past my uncle, he reaches out and grabs me by the arm. And he throws me back down on the floor. And, and he says, you sit down and watch this show. Well, before I knew what was going on, my dad had jumped up out of his seat. He was toe-to-toe -to -toe with um, crazy Uncle Jerry. And, and I remember, I'm a little kid, right? So I'm about fist height. And, and I remember to this day seeing my dad's fist all balled up. And, and I, that was like a huge sledgehammer fist. And I, my, I was just like, oh, my goodness. And my dad looked at Uncle Jerry and he said, don't you ever treat my son like that again. I had a big problem with my uncle because I was just a little kid. But I had a bigger problem solver in my dad. But as they say, like, we're not on the playground anymore. The problems we face today are bigger and they're scarier than we are. And humanity is, is kind of like I was as a little kid, getting thrown around by our much bigger, much meaner, much nastier uncle, uh, COVID. His street name is C-19, by the way. We need a big dad to help solve this problem. The Apostle John was one of Jesus' closest friends. So John had a unique perspective on Jesus' life. In John's letter to the tiny churches that were popping up all over the Middle East after the death and resurrection of Jesus, after Jesus had been seen by a whole bunch of different people, after he died, right? He rose again, and then, and then he was seen by a bunch of people. And so all these tiny churches started popping up, and John wrote this letter to those churches. But he started it off in a really weird way. See, if you look at the rest of the Gospels, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Those are four Gospels. They tell the story of Jesus. Matthew starts out with a genealogy of Jesus. Luke and, and Mark jump right into the story of 
John the baptizer. But, but John, John the apostle, he starts out in a completely different way. He gives us a history lesson of sorts. Um, but it even is a kind of a weird history lesson because John goes all the way back to the beginning. And we're going to check that out in John chapter 1. Now you can follow along in, in your Bible. Um, and, and there would have been some other ways for you to follow along, but technology and time got in the way uh, of that. So um, John chapter 1, you can go to um, version if you have that Bible app. If you've got a paper Bible, grab that out. If you're watching this on your TV or huddled around your computer with your kids, grab a Bible and get to John chapter 1. Um, but, but look, however you engage with God's Word, we don't care how you get into God's Word. We just want God's Word to get into you, okay? So find a way to get in there. And, and we're going to read John chapter 1, verse 15 uh, together. Ooh, <laughs> that scared me for a second. <laughs> so here's what John says um, in, in, in the beginning of his gospel. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, if you were a Jew back in the day and you were listening to what um, John had to say, you, you would understand some of what he was talking about. See, the Jews had been waiting for Jesus for a long time in the chaos and confusion of thousands of years, right? The Jews had this um, promise from the prophets. Uh, there's about 300 or more, little more than 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Bible. And, and so the Jews had been waiting for this Messiah to come, this Savior to come, but he hadn't. And so they're in kind of this state of, of chaos and confusion. They're, they're sinning. They're kind of going their own way. They're doing their own thing. They're playing at religion, but, but they're not really following God. They don't really have any kind of relationship with God. They're just bringing their sacrifices and then going out and doing whatever it is they want to do. They believed that the Savior would come, but they didn't believe the Savior had come. Here's what I think happened with the, with, with the Jews uh, of that day uh, a few thousand years ago. They got so comfortable with the scripture. That that's what we would call like their Bible, okay? It's the Old Testament. They got so comfortable with their Bible that they looked at it like a recipe and not a relationship. And so they looked at the Old Testament and the laws of God and, and they said basically this, if we just follow this recipe, if we just do these things, then everything is going to be great. The problem was that when they walked out of the temple, after they had followed the recipe, they walked out of the temple and they did their own thing and they went their own way. And, and they weren't following God in the day-to-day -day life. They were just kind of going through the motions in the temple. I think we can get so comfortable with the Bible that we kind of gloss over some pretty important things as well. So we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to dive a little deeper into these five verses and then a few more verses in John chapter 1. So let's um, break this down for a minute because John gives us some pretty big things when it comes to God. And so we're going to look at that uh, a little closer. The, the first thing I want you to know is that, is that John says God was in the beginning. 
in the beginning was the Word, and, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, you probably knew that already, right? But we also learned that it's not just God that was there at the beginning, but the Word was there as well. Now, you, you don't have to be a genius to figure out that the word, word, isn't talking about um, an actual word or, or even words on a page. Like, John's not saying the, the Bible was with God in the beginning. He's not saying that some um, poem or some manuscript or some special word was with God in, in the beginning. And, and here's how I know this. I didn't learn a lot in school like I was doing other things, but when I got married, um, my wife likes English and spelling and grammar and all that stuff, so I've learned a lot of, of things um, from her over the years. And one of the things I, I learned is this. Uh, so here's a grammar lesson for you if you need it. Uh, oh, by the way, kids are out of school, so here's a free grammar lesson for them. Write it down. Um, if you use the word mom and you're just talking about like a generic mom, like anybody's mom, like it's just, you know, not specifying a mom, you don't have to use a capital M. It's just, it's just M-O-M, lowercase mom, like everybody's mom. It, it doesn't matter. But if you're talking about your mom, a specific mom, you're pointing to that mom right there, you would use a capital M in that case because you are using mom as the person's name. It's, it's not your, your mom, like mom isn't your mom's name. She, she has a name. My mom's name is Ellen. I don't call her Ellen. I call her mom. And if I write that, I use a capital M. And so when we look at this scripture, we're like, okay, so John uses the word word and he capitalizes it. That, that means that the word must stand for something else. It must represent something else. It must be a, a name. It's personal to somebody else. So the Word was present, whoever the Word is, was present with God in the beginning, and the Word was equal to God. He was, look, and the Word was God. The Word was God. And so the Word wasn't just this, um, this thing out there and we don't really know what it is or, or where it is. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And he goes on to say, like it gets better, he says, um, through the word, all things were made. So the word wasn't just there with God, he was active in creation. That answers some questions for us, right? Like, like we don't have to wonder about how the earth got here, or how we got here. Like, like this says it, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and, and look, without him, nothing was made. Look, the one who made everything must be bigger than everything. Because it's impossible to create something bigger than its creator. Let me give you um, a, an example of this, and we're going to nerd out for just a second. Even the Death Star, okay, right? You know what I'm talking about? Even the Death Star was not bigger than Galen Erso. Though the Death Star was armed with this world-destroying gun, it was the size of a moon. It was huge. It wasn't bigger than its creator. Now, you're going to argue and you're going to say, well, Galen Erso didn't really create the Death Star, and that's probably true. He just uh, was the guy who created the gun that would destroy other worlds. But my point is the same. The, the created can't be bigger than the creation. And we see that in the Death Star because it was ultimately taken out by a small, purposeful flaw in its creation. And so the one 
who creates is always bigger than, than its creation. The one who creates has the power to destroy as well. The one who creates can put in those flaws and do things. And so if you're the creator, you are over your creation. You own it. But that's not all John tells us. There are two more really big things in in the next verse. So let's look at that. Um, He tells us that the word that he's been referring to was a man. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. Like, that's huge. This word was with God, is God, and is equal to God, and then creates everything, is a dude. He's a person. He's a man. I think that's incredible. And so John just lays it out here, and he's like, look, There's this word, and it's God, and equal with God, and and the word is a man. He goes on to say that that man was the light of all mankind. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And and I want you to know that that he's not talking about, um, like, life and, and light, that he had control over life and light. We're not talking about Thor, right, who controls lightning. He, he's saying that, that in this man called the Word was life and light. It was a part of him. It was a part of his makeup. It was a part of his DNA. He didn't just control it. He owned it. Wherever he was, it was there. Like, I'm like, man, this, this man, whoever he is, has big power, Right? Life and light are are present with him, are in him, and he controls them. That's incredible. Such big power that that John wraps up his history lesson with two more big ideas about the word. He says, look, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's a comforting thought to me as we kind of feel like we're in the darkness a little bit. I feel like that, like we're in the darkness and and we just need a little bit of light. I want to tell you this, though. I I, I was thinking about this as I wrote out the message. There's going to come a day, and, 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 and maybe it'll be a little longer than we want it to, but it won't be that long. There's going to come a day when it's going to be like the light gets turned on. And all this stuff that we're dealing with right now is going to seem like a distant memory. Like, you know when it's been winter and, and really cold, and you're inside, you're stuck inside, and it's dark and gloomy and rainy, kind of like it's been the last couple of days here in Kansas. And then that first day of, of like spring or summer comes, and it's beautiful weather, and you go outside in shorts, and you're like, ah, it's the light. I, I feel like that in the text, that, that he's saying, look, this, this light and life is coming to mankind. And, and it may feel like we're in the darkness right now, but the darkness can't stop the light. And the light isn't afraid of the darkness. Like the light goes into the darkness and then doesn't let the darkness win, but it overcomes the darkness. We've been in the darkness. We've been shut in our homes, uncertain about our families and our finances and our futures. But the light's going to come on, and it's going to be over, and and we're going to be okay, and we're going to get through this, 
And, and it's going to be a bright and sunny day once again. So John starts out his gospel with these first five verses, and, and it's kind of like a, a history lesson that covers like from the beginning, right? From the beginning of time, when, whenever that was, up until about 30 A.D., and, and we know that John's history lesson covers the time up to about 30 A.D. because of what he says in the next few verses. In verses 6 and 8, we, we won't put them up on the screen, but in verses 6 and 8, John begins to talk about this, about this important character, John the Baptizer, who, um, by the way, is, is not the same John, right? Okay, so the Apostle John, Jesus' buddy, his best friend, wrote the Gospel of John. And then there was this guy, John the baptizer, who came before Jesus. The, the Bible says, in fact, the Old Testament prophecies are that there's someone like Elijah who would come and who would lower the mountains and straighten the paths for the Messiah. And that was John the baptizer. And, and so the apostle John is writing about John the baptizer. He say, look, John the baptizer was an important guy. He, he was a good guy. He's important to the story. He needs to be there but he wasn't the Messiah. That really is why John sticks John the baptizer in these few verses. He's like, look, God, the word was with God and is God and created everything and light and life are in him and, and the darkness can't stand up to it. And just in case you were wondering, that word isn't John. It's not John the baptizer. John the baptizer is not the light. He's not the guy John mentions in the first five verses. And, and then John goes on to explain it more um, like this in verse 9 uh, to 13. Here's what he says. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So you see, it's, it's not John, right? It's not John. The word and then John, but it's not John. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming in the world. He still has to come. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Now the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now in these five verses, John gives us more information about the word. And so um, let me give you the highlights right now. Uh, by the way, I'm kind of digging this live stream thing because I don't have to worry about getting you out on time. You just be here all afternoon. Eh, that's not true. Uh, we won't go on that much long. Verse five, John continues, or in the next five verses, John continues. And so here's what he says. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone, he says the true light isn't prejudice. Do you, ca you catch that? He gives his light to everyone, to everyone. It's available, it's out there. Look, it's not like toilet paper and hand sanitizer, okay? It's for everyone, and you have free and abundant access to it. And, and you don't have to be the fastest. Like, you don't have to be at Walmart when the cart comes out with a toilet paper on it. You don't have to be the cutest with the most followers on Instagram. No, nobody does Instagram anymore. TikTok. You don't have to be that person. You don't have to be special or good. Because the light comes to everyone. It's given the same. We all have the same access to it. 
And if that's not amazing enough, he goes on to say that this man, this word, is coming into the world. He's not just God uh, up in heaven. He's not just equal with God and created and he stayed up there. He's coming into the world. Now, I need to, to, to pause here for just a second because, like, the concept that, that, that's in these few words, like, it doesn't get any bigger than this. God didn't sit around heaven after creation waiting for us to crawl out of the darkness to get to him. We don't have to find our way and fight our way up Mount Olympus with, you know, the gods at the top trying to keep us from getting there. God didn't wait for us to get to him. He came to us. God came down to us. Do you remember being a little kid and, and maybe there was an adult around that you looked up to? And that adult didn't just come in and like pat you on the head and say, how you doing? But, but he or she like got down on their hands and knees at your level to talk to you and interact with you and play with you. Do you remember being a kid and how exciting that was? Like, like you were like, man, this person cares about me. God didn't look down on us. He came down to us. That's incredible. This idea that, the, that God, the creator of the universe, would come down to us. He would get down on our level. He'd get down in the dirt and the, and the yuck and he'd play our games, and he'd be with us. He didn't just sit up in heaven waiting for us to get to him. He came down to us. He, he, was, he was in the world. He was right. He was in the world. And even though his power was evident by his life and miracles and teaching, many people didn't recognize him. There's a scene from um, The Office, like everything goes back to The Office, right? There's a scene from The Office where Michael Scott is in New York, and he's hanging out, and he's got the cameras following him around, and he thinks he sees Tina Fey. And so he runs after Tina Fey, and while he's going after the fake Tina Fey, Conan O'Brien walks past him. And, and, and Michael Scott, like, he totally misses him. He doesn't recognize Conan O'Brien. And because Michael doesn't recognize him, he misses his opportunity to get to know him. John says that the word came to his world, but the world didn't receive his word. The word came to his world. The creator, equal with God, came to his world, but the world didn't receive his his word. At least we know most of them didn't. Because in the next verse, John says that, that some did recognize him. Some did receive him. Some did believe that he was who he claimed to be. And because of their faith that he was God, they became children of God. Children of God. And you might wonder how that's possible. Well, John explains it um, like this. He says they weren't children in the sense that they were um, uh, descendants of God. Like, they're not going, God was my great, 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 granddad. Like, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying God's our great grandpa. And they weren't children through a legal process. Like, you got married and now her kids are my kids and my kids are her kids or there was adoption or something. It's not like that. And it wasn't just the decision of a husband and wife. He says they were born of God. Born of God. 
the Word who was there in the beginning, was equal with God. He created everything, and He came down to this world with life and light, and He became the supernatural means for humanity to be born again in a whole new way. Not a natural birth, but a supernatural birth. Now, up to this point in the story, John has been giving like a a history lesson, right? He's like, here's the highlights of what's been going on in the universe up to this point. Like, here's the cliff notes. Here's the bullet points that you need to understand before we can move on to the really important stuff. And that comes in verse 14. In verse 14, John says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. A man who lived among his creation. Like, that's big, right? That's a huge concept. It's an enormous idea, but we've already talked about that. What's more impressive, I think, in this moment is what John says next. He says, we have seen his glory. We, we've seen his glory. He didn't just say, I saw his glory. Like John wasn't just out in the desert having some vision of some guy and then came back and told his wife, hey, I saw this guy while I was walking around the desert and I'm listening to him and you should too. He says, we have seen his glory. Lots of us have seen his glory. John was an eyewitness to everything that he's claiming here in these verses. And, and, and look, you need to understand this. If, if, if you're like on the edge of your faith or whatever, you need to get this this morning. As believers, we don't believe the Bible because of the words that are written on the page. We believe the eyewitness accounts who those, of those who saw the word walking and talking and performing miracles in his world. He came from the Father to the fatherless. And John says one more important thing in in this verse. He says that he was full of grace and truth. Now, you you might just kind of gloss over that really quickly, but it's going to be super important in just a sec. It's important because of what John writes in verse 17. See, up to this point, John hasn't told us who this word is. We know that the Word was with God in the beginning, that He created everything, that He's equal with God. We know that the, the Word has life and in Himself, and that life is the light of men. We, we know that the Word isn't afraid of the darkness. In fact, the Word overcomes the darkness. We know that the Word was made flesh and, and dwelt among us, like came down from heaven and walked among us as as a man, but we don't know who he is except that he was full of grace and truth. Like John's told us the plot, but not the punchline. But it comes in verse 17, and and here it is. He, He starts out with something the Old Testament people would understand. For the law was given through Moses. Every Jew knew what that was. But he says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And there we have it. Paul said in one of his letters that that the law brought death because it makes us aware of our sin. John said that the word is God in verse 1. 
that the word is a man and his life in verse 4, that he's full of grace and truth in verse 14. And here in verse 17, John gives us his name. He says, the word is Jesus Christ. Like the Jewish people of John's day, our world is in a state of chaos and confusion. And like the Jewish people, we have a promise that one day the Savior, Jesus Christ, will come. And he'll come again, not to preach salvation, but to bring salvation. We have that promise just like the Jews did. And to those of us who have recognized him as the Word, the Savior, the Messiah, as God, it gets even better. Now now look, you need to know, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know when Jesus is going to come back again. I, I, I know that if anybody tells you they do know, they're lying and you shouldn't listen to them. I don't know when he's going to come back. And I know those people who say they do don't know because even Jesus said he and the angels don't know when he's going to come back. Only God the Father. But I do know this with certainty. That we're closer now than we have ever been before. If you've been brave enough to turn on the news this week, you would learn things like there's plagues of locusts in Africa. You know for a long time there's been wars and rumors of of wars, and, and now we're facing a worldwide pandemic. We are closer now than we have ever been. Which means you have a choice to make. Just like John said in the text today, will you recognize and receive Jesus? Will you believe in his name so that you might be born again, not of a human will or in a human way, but in a supernatural way so that you can become a child of God? Or like Michael Scott and Conan O'Brien, will you miss him? I want to quote Moses since John mentioned him in verse 17. Here's what Moses says in Deuteronomy 30, 19. He says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Now choose life so you and your children may live. If you recognize Jesus today as the God of the universe, that the one John said was there in the beginning and created everything and has within himself light that is life, uh, life that is light for all mankind. If you believe today, perhaps inexplicably, like maybe you don't even understand what's going on inside of you at the moment. Maybe you haven't believed or, 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 or you've been on the edge or, or on the fence. I, I don't know. But if you're in that moment right now and you feel God like doing something inside of you, we want to help you take your next steps of faith. And so I, I had this big thing where you were going to be able to get on chat and Facebook and all of this stuff. And I don't know what's working right now, but, but here's what you can do. You can go to reallifecc.us. It's this one right here. You can click next steps. It's in the top uh, nav bar there. 
You can click next steps and then on the I'm ready link. There's information for you there about accepting Jesus for the first time, about being baptized, about what it means to be a person of faith. And at the bottom of that page, there's a, a form that you can fill out. It's not very long. It just gives us some information about you and the decision that you might be making today. And I want to encourage you to make that decision. Because I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But I know we're closer today than we were yesterday. For the rest of us, we are one humanity under a big God. And I want you to know that he's got this. Don't fear, but walk each day in faith. We love you. We're praying for you. We want to help you. We want to help you first find real life in Jesus. We want to help you secondly to, to learn to look more like Jesus every day. And, and again, if there's a need that you can't meet, we want to help you meet those needs as well. We're in this together. And that's exactly how we'll get through it. Together with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving your son to us. Thank you for the words of John that we've read this morning that, that lay it out so plainly and so perfectly for us that, that Jesus was there in the beginning. He was equal with God. That through Jesus, God created everything and that in Jesus there is life and that life is the light of men and that there is no darkness that Jesus is afraid of. And that that same Jesus who created everything came to this earth and took on a human form. He became a man like us. And, and, and even though he preached and, and, he, and he healed people and he did incredible miracles and he raised people from the dead, there were so many people even today who have missed him. But God, you give this promise. Remember it said that the light was for everyone. Your promise is that if we would recognize you as God, if we would receive you as our Savior, then we can be born again into your family as your children. God, I pray that there would be those today that would do this. God, I hope that you would help us to, to not only get through this, but to grow through this as well. God, you are here with us. No other God can say that. Thank you, God, for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before the band uh, plays this last song, I, I, want to, um, I want to tell you one more thing. Uh, this live stream may not have worked exactly like we wanted, to, wanted it to, but we're going to begin replaying it tomorrow probably, maybe this afternoon or this evening, I don't know. And so this message today is going to be um, kind of on a loop 
Uh, I know that the people dealing with our live stream page are going to get that worked out. And then that's just going to be on a loop probably every two or three hours all day, every day. Um, you're going to be able to log in and watch that. You're going to be able to get that link and you're going to be able to share it with your friends and maybe your family members and they're going to be able to watch it too. And maybe, just, just maybe, God will take this time where, where there's an empty room and, and he would grow us in our homes and grow us in our families and grow us in his son, Jesus. And, and, and when this quarantine is lifted and we're able to come back here to worship, I believe that we'll be um, bigger and, and better than we ever have been. God loves times like this. And it's when we're at our weakest when we're separated from each other and when we don't know what's going to happen day to day, when we're at our weakest, God is at his strongest. And he's going to see us through. All right, I love you and uh, I'll see you back here next week.
Dios.